fact, I remember that first night in the emergency room as I was laying in the bed next to um, a good friend of mine was there with me. He was listening and I remember through tears just saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And uh, that was not just about the job. Um, I think that was much bigger. Like that was that was a, a guttural ache that was speaking to some questions that needed some attention um, that at the time weren't getting proper care and and thus began um, a journey into caring for the questions that had always been there and had no right to go away. But this this injury uh, really accentuated the need to, to tend to them and to realize that if I was going to do that well, I was not going to do that on my own. That's John D. Wall, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Would you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast, where I bring on some of the most inspiring people who have stories of overcoming real challenge, real hardship, and then turning around and inspiring the world around them. Today, I've got a really, really great guy on the show. This is John DeWall. John is the executive director and uh, the life transition guide, I love that phrase, and learning facilitator at something called Liminal Space. And that's something that he set up. It's a nonprofit organization dedicating to helping others find the courage and the means to navigate major life transition. Do you get why I might want him on the show? He spends his days guiding people one-on-one in coaching work and counseling sessions. Um, he does group work. He's just, he's totally dedicated to getting people through these transitional points into a place of better, of overcoming, of achieving, of living a life that they actually want to be living, could be living, should be living. He also has a weekly podcast that, yes, I've been on. It's called Life Through Transitions, which is what his work is all about. Um, He's got, uh, I, I want to tell his backstory, but I want to leave it for him because I remember the first time I heard it and I could just feel my body hurt as he, as he told the story. So I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to go into what it is, but it's pretty amazing. Um, and he came through it. And through that, he has gotten into a very different place in life, doing something totally different from what he was doing before. And it's helping people in a really serious way. Um, I'm personally very thankful to have gotten to know John. I'm so glad to bring his story to you and I don't want to belabor it. So I'm going to jump in, in just a second. I would just remind you, this is exactly what do a day is all about. It's about hard times and the choice to not just crumble in the face of them, even the most painful, difficult, hard times. John's a great living example of that. And there's so much more and the process of it that I share in the book, Do A Day. But we get into it in this show and all the other episodes, so I hope you know you don't just take this episode in. Look around at the rest of everything I'm putting together with Do A Day, whether it's other episodes, whether it's articles I've written, uh, the book itself, the TED Talk that I've done on it. There are ways that if you are struggling, you can find some inspiration to try to get to better. So let's get into the episode, because this is one great example of a human being who's done exactly that when the odds were not in his favor to do anything like it. 
So let's jump in with John DeWall. John DeWall, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Yeah, you bet, Brian. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, um, I feel like a huge number of the shows that I do start with talking about when I was on your show, but when I was on your show, (laughs) (laughs) it was, uh, it was great, but it wasn't even just that. I mean, I knew before I was on your show, we had this great call, um, a few weeks before recording and like, I actually, I had a doctor's appointment. I don't think I told you this. I was sitting in the car Mm. outside of the doctor's office and I ended up being like 15 minutes late and I'm never late for anything, but I just, we just kept going and She's always running late, so it actually was fine. Um, yeah. But I was just like, I, I I never let appointments or timeliness go. And in this case, we just mm. we just clicked, and I, I didn't want to end the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I knew in that moment you were destined to <laughs> to be on my show. But it was <laughs> it was worth it. Um, yeah. Can you just take us through real quick, like? liminal space, what you're working on today. What, what is that about? Who are you in the here and now? And then we'll rewind the clock and, and I want to get into the journey that brought you there. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah. So I get the question all the time, like what is liminal space? And, um, you know, liminal itself comes from this Latin word limens, which literally translates threshold. And so my work with, with people is in those times in life where they're there was a before and they're not quite sure what what's next there there's an old and they don't know what the new is so they're literally on the threshold of of a chapter of their life that um is yet to be determined and written and they're knocking at that door they're you know maybe the door's locked they don't know where the keys are they don't know what's on the other side of it um but really what it is, is a place of waiting and not knowing and a place that has a lot of questions, a lot of challenging emotions, a lot of decisions that need to be made, um, just difficult circumstances in general. And so my work at Liminal Space is to come alongside people that are in that season, whatever that transition may be. And it's a blend of counseling, coaching, um, career counseling and spiritual direction for those that bring their faith to the process. And uh, and so that's, yeah, done in one-on-one um, settings. I do that in group work uh, where there's groups of people going through a, a similar transition together. And then we also have a learning center where we do workshops. So that's the the quick flyover as far as what liminal space is. You just blew me away with that phrase, come alongside people. Because mm. the, the whole, the role of a coach, there's different ways to phrase it. And mm-hmm. um, there's a beauty in the idea of, you know, being, being there with you and not being yeah. the one who does it for you, but helping yeah. you do it for yourself. But it's, that was such a beautiful way to put it. I really, yeah. I really like that. I think the metaphor that I've landed on the most to describe what I do is, is, and I even put on my business card, um, uh, Sherpa. Okay. So, you know, Sherpas, they, they've been up the mountain or a mountain before many times and they know what equipment's needed. They know where, parts on the trail are that need to be avoided where they need to stay and, and, and move, move forward on. And, and they're, they're guiding people, not like, like miles ahead of them, but alongside them, yeah, carrying even some of their stuff for them. And so that's really what I do with folks is I, I get to be a bit of a, a Sherpa on their behalf. And the one thing I think I carry that most people struggle to carry for themselves during a transition is hope. Um, I, I get to carry some hope on their behalf and, um, yeah, see what, see what happens along the way as we keep walking together Yeah, and hand off the hope bit by bit to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
It's a, that, that, that's really beautiful. I was going to say something about yak's milk, but then I was like, all right, that's, that's taking it in a funny place and you're being serious. And I guess I did it anyway, but, um, yeah, you did. I've not quite raised a glass, uh, with yak milk to a client's journey, but maybe that's in the future. Something to think about. Yeah, that could be your thing. Um, (laughs) uh, so straying from my bad humor for a minute, let's, let's go back. Cause you, uh, you, you, this was not your chosen career right out of, you know, school and all that. You, you went down a no. different path and maybe you could say this was thrust upon you. Maybe you could say you discovered it, but either way, this is not the way you were heading. So what, what was your life before all this and, and walk us through that journey? Cause that, I mean, that was the thing that blew me away. I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting your backstory to be what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really inspiring. I want to, I want to, I want you to share that. Yeah, you bet. Um, yeah, so right out of college, I I did um, what felt like a, kind of a known predictable predictable path. I followed the pathway of the internship I took and started doing bank marketing of all things. And uh, it's life changing work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't remember any of the actual work I did. I, I remember some of the things I sold. Mostly, I remember the people and the the privilege it was to just like be in their work and in their life and, and listen to their stories and, and join them as people. That's what I enjoyed about the work. Um, but it was mostly like, I, I couldn't get about, you know, bank marketing. Is that okay to say? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll edit it out. Not the bank okay. marketing part, the other piece of it, but that's okay. <laughs> Going for the everyone, everyone rating, but that's fine. Um, but yeah. it, it is interesting that even in that, that early career, that wasn't necessarily anything to you. Right. Like there, there, a piece of who you became was already starting to come out the piece that you latched onto. Totally, totally. Very much so. You know, here we are supposed to be talking about marketing and where they're heading with their, you know, their plan for the year. And I was most intrigued by, you know, what we were talking about at lunch that had everything to do with their life. Like, you know, I remember one guy who, who, uh, shared this amazing story of when, when the bank was robbed and, how hard that was in the moment, but emotionally like recovering from it afterwards. And just all of that, like was so engaging and intriguing to me and, and wanting to spend time there talking and just learning about him and his life. And, but, um, that's an amazing story. Right. Wow. Yeah. And then those are the stories I was most intrigued by as I did my, my work. Um, and, uh, but I also knew at the time that this was not the kind of thing I wanted to do long-term. I noticed like my boss and, you know, some of the, the managers in the firm, they just, they didn't look happy. Um, they didn't look content. Um, they didn't seem to really enjoy what they were doing. And I thought, well, that I'm not above that. I think that could be my story Yeah. and being single at the time and not having, you know, any strong ties to the region. I decided it was a good time to move, move West and move out to Seattle. Did you really have that clear? I mean, I'm guessing you're like early 20s at that point. Yeah, it was about 22, 23 when that thought started to emerge. That's um, that that maturity, if you want to call it that, but that maturity sure. about like who you are, what you care about and what you don't want your life to become. That's not normal at that age. That's, <laughs> that, I, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. No, I don't That's, hear it that way. Because so many people, you know, we get out of school, we fall into a job for, you know, all the reasons why you went into the job that you did, right? Yeah. Like you need a paycheck, they're recruiting on campus, like whatever it may be, your parents would approve of it, like whatever the reasons. Yeah. And then, and you just kind of get on the machine. It and was. for a lot of folks, like they wake up because something forces them to later or because like 
well, they probably don't wake up and they're like 45 yeah. and miserable and have no clue why, but they just keep going through the, mo- the motions every day. Yeah. It's good for yep. you for having that presence and, and clarity of yourself. Yeah. You, well, you know, you know I, I didn't get there. On, well, yeah, I think it was, uh, again, looking at what was going on around me and, and living life on that machine for a number of years. I don't think the stakes are certainly that high when you're single you've got a solid income, you can buy the things that you want. And, yeah. you know, at 24, 25, I, after graduating, had bought the house, had bought the car and even had wow. a dog, like all these things I had done that were very like typical and responsible, um, as a productive member of society. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, again, I had the wherewithal and I think I had the community that I was a part of to help me look up and see perhaps a different story that that could be for my life. And um, that was really powerful for me at the time to start asking better questions than the ones I was asking. Wow. Then perhaps even the ones that were around me were asking like in my in my work. Um, it's not that I don't think that that all of us are asking like, is this how I want to live my life? I think it's in there in just about everybody. But it gets it gets tampered down by a lot of busyness, and a lot of stress and a lot of things that feel really important, mm. but perhaps aren't. And. And then you got all the obligations that we that we commit to, you know, whether it's, you know, debt and mortgages and certainly kids and none of that stuff is is bad. But it certainly puts us on a path that for some they believe they can't get get off. Yeah, very true. Um, and so for me, I didn't have as many restraints um, that that kept me from choosing a new story. Yeah. Um, and so when I did, you know, it was. It certainly took some work, but selling a house and I had to leave my dog with my with my parents because I couldn't have have her with me during that first year out in Seattle. But um, it it was not that hard compared to, say, the guy I talked to not too long ago um, uh, in my podcast, who at the time had two adult or two kids that were leaving to go to college and, um, you know, had a great job and found out one day that he was being let go. And, you know, to make a change and move towards a dream and a desired future when you've got kids going into college and a mortgage and, you know, you're the breadwinner, like that's a, that's a scary yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so I get that. And that's kind of part of my story as well as, as, as I'm sure I'll share with you here in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So you, where did you leave from to go to Seattle? I left from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. Uh, Midwest boy, um, grew up most of my life there. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a bit of a bubble, uh, in the West Michigan area. And, and I think for me, the, the draw to really, uh, at the time being single, like really begin to explore the question, um, what do I want to do with this one, one life that I have been given? And for me, my faith is a really important part of that question. Yeah. Um, and so as I, as I explore, explored that question at the time, I, I wanted to really consider like, there has to be something bigger that I am, am supposed to step into or want to step into. That's, that's about something more than bank marketing. And, and what could that be? And I didn't need to have it figured out at that time. And I, I didn't feel the, the pressure too, but I did know that I wanted to step into a bigger story. Um, something that hold that held adventure that held desire, um, and somehow uniquely, uh, was better suited for my life. And that's what led the time of, of exploring options and ultimately finding a school out in Seattle called the Seattle school of theology and psychology. Um, and at 20, let's see, I think I was 24, 25 at the time, 
decided to sell everything and move out west. And I went from in a in the space of about two weeks, I went from bank marketing to um, school bus driver. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> which if you're going to graduate school is a fantastic job because you can drive in the morning, study in between and then drive in the afternoon and get paid for those hours. So it works really well wow. to get paid to study. Oh, you get paid in the in-between time. Yeah, quite often. That's so really yeah, brilliant. Okay. writing papers and getting paid. Nice. Yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah. So, um, went to graduate school and it was a wonderful experience, but of course, um, those kinds of like learning experiences come to an end and then real life starts to meet you head on as you start to think about, you know, oh geez, I got to pay these loans back and how am I going to do that? Yeah. Um, and my wife and I, uh, we had been, we married during our second year of graduate school and, uh, and then we had our first child on the way as we approached graduation. Um, and so as the, uh, you know, as the one who was going to go out there and hunt and bring home the kill, it, it, there was a lot of pressure at the time. Yeah. Uh, how was I going to make ends meet? How was I going to pay school loans back? Um, Annie's pregnancy was pretty difficult there. She was really, really sick and she wasn't able to even work the, uh, the entire term of her pregnancy. And so pretty quickly it became all on me. And the, the question that was really front and center at the time was like, I got to make more money. How am I going to make more money? Um, and it was a good question to be asking cause I needed to, but it, it was at that time that I lost focus on a few other important questions. The ones that actually brought me out to Seattle, like what do I want to do with this one precious life? Um, and how is that going to be used for the good of those around me? Um, so the way I answered that question was to start a painting business. Um, again, it was going back to what I knew. And I think that's something that I see a lot of people doing is like what worked before and going back to that. Um, when the story is actually asking you to become something different than what you were before. And I just didn't know that at the time. Um, and needed others to help see that. But, um, it was starting that business, um, that at the time I was really successful. Uh, yeah. I, I had by the time 2010 rolled around. So I graduated in 07 and, um, ran that for four, four summers or four years. Um, and I had a crew of eight, eight or so guys working for me by the end and, um, you know, survived the recession and in Seattle, that was kind of a big deal given yeah. the industry I was in. And, um, paid the bills rather well, but, uh, got pretty miserable during the course of that time. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends described me as kind of, uh, cynical and uh, bitter and it didn't, you know, seep out overtly, but they could hear it and feel it in how I carried myself. John, um, can I, can I pause you for a second? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, that, what you just said, um, that, that seems so hard to believe listening to you now and and hearing yep. who you are. And obviously like, I only know one piece of you, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, that must be such a contrast. You, I mean, it's clear, like something was driving that out of you, that, that sort of outward persona. Cause that doesn't feel like who you are inside. Um, so just you saying that gives me a feel for what you, your life must have felt like in that place where you were, you know, just trying to produce yep. and, and earn. Um, yep. I am really curious going back to the, your comment about like people going back to what they knew and, and keep coming back to that theme. Mm -hmm. I, I actually was, I was having a conversation with someone that I mentor today about that, about the propensity to go to what's comfortable. 
Yeah. And it was the like, well, you know, I'm, I'm good at this and I've done that really well here. So I know this other part of the company needs the same thing. So for my next role, like maybe I'll just go to that business and do it for that piece of the yeah. company. Yeah. And, and you could see like it was sort of defeatist, but it was mm-hmm. comfortable and they weren't really looking to challenge that. And so we had this whole conversation about that. Like, is it about falling back into what's comfortable because you don't want to challenge yourself? Is it scary? Is it like, what do you think leads us to do that? I, I think part of what makes us human is that when we feel um, unsafe, we want, we want something that's going to provide comfort. And we're going to go back through our mental bank and remember um, things that offered that, um, things that might have offered a, an easy answer um, to a question that's difficult and uncomfortable and painful even, and answer it with that. Um, so even if that ultimately is going to harm us, uh, that's what we might choose anyway. Um, it, it appears like it's safe, but I actually think for most people, it's the more risky path. Um, and I think that was true for me at the time. Um, contracting appeared safe, but it was the more risky path, um, for where I was at. Um, and and I think, no, go go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just gonna say most people. I mean, part of the problem that I was up against at that time is, um, you know, a person will make these choices or I made that choice. And it's not like I gathered a a group of friends together who know me well and and and, um, you know, have a a beat on my story and and the themes of it and and say, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm going to start a business. Does this fit with who you know me to be and who I should become more of in the world? Like, who does that? Right. Yeah. Every, everyone should, right? But Right, right. And their friends will look at them few. crazy and walk away. Right. Very yeah. few would actually like gather people together and say, hey, you guys all know I'm supposed to become this kind of person. Does this choice fit that? Um, and, and, and that could actually save a lot of people a lot of harm. Um, and for me at the time, I just made that decision largely on my own. And I certainly had some, some input, but... Um, you know, not, not the kind that I probably needed that, that at that time. Mm. Well, you used, um, when I was interrupting a second ago, you, you used like three words and I can only remember two of them now, but they were exact segues into what ended up happening. You used unsafe and risk or maybe you used harmful or hurtful. Yep. Um, yep. That, I, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the story ahead. I don't know if you were about to go there, but that is exactly what ended up being the case. Yeah, it was. Um, so I ran this painting business for four years and during the last, um, over the last job that I was on, I, it was the last job of the summer. There was a bit of urgency in the air because we had, uh, you know, in Seattle, when September hits, you basically, you know, have once September, like 18 rolls around, you're not going to be outside doing any kind of painting. There will be no paint drying, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, so I knew that and, um, we had this window to finish this one job and I thought, all right, let's get after it. And I got everybody on that job site. Um, and it was one of those houses that had the cedar shake roofs. Um, and it was probably, you know, old, like 30, 40 years old. So when you, when you stood on the roof, you could see the, the mildew and the mold and, and, taking one step on it, I knew it was slippery. Um, so I'm standing on that roof and, um, I'm aware that there's no way that we're going to finish this job, um, on the roof until this, this stuff dries out. 
Um, so I said to the guys, let's go down to do some stuff off the ground and we'll come back here. And instead of backing down off that ladder, for whatever reason, I thought I'm going to walk over to the other ladder, which was about 12, 15 yards away. And I get to the other side of the roof and the ladder that's set up over there that wasn't within arm's reach. Um, it would have to, it would have had to been moved for me. Um, uh, right when I was about to, um, you know, see one of my guys walking over and grabbing that ladder, the shingles broke out from underneath my feet and my butt hit the roof and I slid off and I landed on concrete, um, oh feet God. first. Yeah. Um, and so I stuck the landing and kind of did this roll. And as I came back up and took one step, there was nothing there to support me. Um, and, uh, immediately collapsed and blacked out. Um, and, you know, from that moment, you know, I knew it was broken. I, I knew, I knew something was not right. Um, but from that moment on a series of events happened that changed my story forever. Um, and, uh, you know, it resulted in me spending about two and a half weeks in the hospital, having three surgeries to put my ankle back together. Um, but really overall, it was a five month journey from the time I fell to the time I was able to leave the house walking unassisted. Um, and, and during that time, um, you know, we had a two and a half year old, we had a four month old and, yeah. um, yeah. You know, and so, and then my wife had a, you know, whatever, how old was I then? Um, you know, a 32 year old. Um, yeah. So my wife literally had three people that needed to be cared for pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, something she couldn't do on her own. Uh, and so overnight, you know, a disruption in the rhythm of life, in the finances of life, in my vocation, career, like, okay, this is not like, this is not working. Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember that first night in the emergency room as I was laying in the bed next to, um, a good friend of mine was there with me. Um, he, he was listening and I remember through tears just saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, I'm done. And, uh, that was not just about the job. Um, I think that was much bigger. Like that was that was a, a guttural ache that was speaking to some questions that needed some attention um, that at the time weren't getting proper care. Um, and, and thus began um, a journey into caring for the questions that had always been there and had no right to go away. But this, this injury uh, really accentuated the need to, to tend to them and to realize that if I was going to do that, well, I was not going to do that on my own. Oh, um, you know, obviously, you know, this, but it's not the first time I've heard that story. And I, the same way last time, like I was squinting my eyes and yeah, it's, I actually like felt it becoming harder to breathe. Like my chest was getting a lot heavier and I'm just hearing about it, you know, almost a decade later or whatever, like, and, and mm-hmm. you lived through it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's your business. It's the end of your earning season. Like mm-hmm. there's so many, you know, you, you, the whole, the family situation, but then there's like the financial pressure. And even if that didn't happen, you're at the end of the earning season too. Like you yeah. would have had it, but now it's just like, you, you must've been faced with so much, um, I hear you on that desire. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And the pressure that you talked about before that leads people to take those jobs and, 
yep. you know, feel the sense of earning, like that just intensified so tremendously and you can't even do anything about it. Like I, I can't, um, it's very hard to fully fathom what you must have been processing yeah. or the things that were flying at you that maybe you weren't able to process, but all hitting you all at once. Sure. And, and I would say for those first two months, um, through the power and miracle of drugs, I don't remember a lot myself. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, for the best. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was, it was the, I, I knew that if I was going to really step into a new story, I couldn't do it like I, I had been. And that's where like, you know, just by the grace of God, I had really good people around me, um, and a community, a wider network of people that, I think not only did they love us as a family, but they believed in who I was as a person. They believed in the dream that I, I had and were willing to get behind that, not mm -hmm. just in terms of like, hey, you can do this and here's an encouraging card, but like, hey, you can do this and we're going to write you a check to help fund some of what you're trying to do. We're going to support you financially. So wow. for the first year of, of Liminal Space, uh, my income was fully funded. Wow. Um, and, and I didn't, you know, realize that, you know, at the time that that's the kind of thing that happened, uh, months, months into the recovery, realizing just how much, um, how much of a story that was unfolding, um, was going to be something much bigger than just me on my own, um, that it was going to be a group effort. Um, so how did yeah. you get from the recovery process to having this new business that this amazing community around you is pushing for and seeing the vision and the dream in you. Like where, where did that all come out? Were you already talking about it? I was. Yeah. So before I fell and, and I was in the throes of a lot of discontent, um, with my career, I started meeting with a, a good friend of mine who had me do an exercise called stories from the future. And, um, the way the stories from the future exercise was set up for me, it was, uh, like, so this is him speaking to me. And he said to me, like, let's say that I walk into a coffee shop three years from now, or I'm riding on a bus into town and I'm sitting next to someone and they know you. And over the course of our conversation, I'm just like, I'm just like, how do you know, John, tell me how you know him. And that person goes on to say, well, I, I met John, you know, this way, and I, I just so love him. And, and so the challenge was in these stories that uh, I was asked to write was to put myself in their shoes, the, the shoes of the person that I impacted. So the exercise is intended to get me thinking, like, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already impacting people as I go about my day. He's asking me through this writing exercise to think about it intentionally. What is the residue of my life that I want to leave behind as I interact with those that are in my life? And to think about what I want that to look like three years from now. And what he did is he had me write this story, not just once, but three or four times. And at that time, given where I was at and how hungry and desperate I was to get out of this work that I was doing as a contractor, I was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll trust you implicitly. Um, and he, I knew he had a heart for, for me. So it was more than just an exercise, but it got me writing and I struggled in that space of creativity. But out of that, what emerged were some pretty significant themes. And the themes were, um, uh, invitation, restoration, and, um, uh, invitation, restoration, and provocation. 
So um, what I was doing in these stories is I was provoking with really good questions those that, that I was intersecting their life. I was listening to a different story that was going to be emerging for them and helping them see it and walking alongside them. And I was seeing some of that restored in that person as, as I journeyed with them. And it was all, all with people who were going through a transition of some kind. Um, so he didn't have me just write that story once. He had me write it three or four times. And those were the themes that emerged out of it. Um, so in that exercise, um, which I have almost all of my clients do now, um, emerged those themes for me. And it was at that time that um, he said, so the next step I want you to do is to take those themes and I want you to construct an experiment with them. Um, and here's, here's one idea. What if you start meeting with people um, at coffee shops, at you know, hotel lobbies, and you just start listening to what's happening in that season of their life of change and transition, and you do your thing. You start asking them questions. Maybe you give them an exercise or a writing assignment. Maybe you pray with them. Um, whatever it is that you do, you do your thing um, of walking alongside people, um, and maybe you meet with them once or twice a month. And so that's what I started doing even before I fell. I would paint in the morning, get my crew going. I'd then bring a change of clothes. I'd mop up and then go to a coffee shop or a hotel lobby and meet these people that I arranged times and dates with. And I'd started doing that. And then I would finish and go back to the job site and close things off uh, for the day. Okay. So that's what I did for about eight months before I fell. And so by the time I fell, this thought emerged pretty quickly. Um, what if I what if I did that full time? What if this is the time to like really pour some fuel on that? I had eight or nine people that I was working with by the time I fell. And it was just enough evidence for me to say like, maybe it's possible. Maybe I could build something where people would actually pay me to come alongside them and um, be, be a guide, uh, be a witness to their life in that season, be a place of uh, a source of provocation and really good questions be a good mirror in their life and reflect back to them what I see, both in the current story and who I think they could become more of and invite that story forward. And not just like, hey, here's a few ideas, go execute, but actually help them execute. Yeah. Literally like help them execute on their dreams. Get real practical, um, which being a Dutchman, that's, that's kind of in our <laughs> sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. How, did, how um, did people find you? Um, you know, so what I did is I just sent out emails and I said, hey, here's what I'm experimenting with. If you know anyone that's going through a transition, listed a few ideas as to what those could look like. You know, maybe it's a career or some kind of stage of life. And, and just said, hey, I'd, I'd love to come alongside them in an intentional journey. And, you know, maybe it's three or four months and explore with them um, this season of their life. Um, and so after sending out that email, you know, I got one or two people that came and then uh, my friend who helped me, you know, get started with this, he sent out an email and I, I got a few names that way. And mm. before long, after a few months, like I said, there was like eight or nine people, um, just by putting the word out. Yeah. And I, I also did a couple of talks, uh, for some local pastors and, um, you know, getting up in front of people and sharing what you're doing and why you're doing it and what you care about and all that good stuff as scary and terrifying as it is. Um, that's such a good way to get clients for yeah. sure. So, um, that, yeah, that, that's part of what I did. Um, I can't, I can't 
um, say it enough to people who are trying to figure out a new story for their life. Experiment, experiment, experiment. Um, construct a good dynamic lab that helps you get enough data to see the next clue that you're supposed to follow and put you on a, on a, a keep going down that same path or reroute. Um, and uh, I think we undervalue the, the process of experimentation to figure out where we're going and what we want out of our lives. That is awesome. I love that notion. Um, and I find that it, I, I run into something, I think that's tied to that. And it's probably, to me at least, I think it's why we undervalue that experimentation and the need to do it mm -hmm. is, um, it's not the, maybe it's not part of the undervaluing, but it's part of why we don't do it. And that would be our fear either fear of rejection or judgment, whether that's the judgment of others or ourselves, if we put ourselves out there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I keep, I find myself telling people, if you don't have something now, you might as well ask for it because the worst case that happens is nothing. You're exactly yeah. in the same place you are now, but for your judgment of like, oh, they said no, or they ignored me or that, like, that's, that's the narrative you're telling yourself that you weren't good enough or they're thinking this or they're thinking that that's all a choice, but the only real change is you will have what you seek. Yep. You don't actually lose anything if you're okay with yourself, putting yourself out there and caring about something enough to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's right on. Upside. And I would, yeah. And I would add to that, you know, I think we're a, a fairly, um, impatient culture. Everything is on demand and yeah. we binge watch shows and we would never wait from one week to the next for the show. Um, we want things now. And I think it just means that in part, we don't know what it means to develop a really good discipline. And I, I view transition as a discipline. Yeah. I, I view it as perhaps one of the most sacred disciplines you can learn in life. Um, and if you do learn how to navigate transition as a discipline, you're going to be able to identify those treasures that are located exactly where they need to be found during those seasons when you're most unlikely to see them. Um, but they're there. Like mm. the, the questions that, like, I love how um, David White frames this in one of his poems called Sometimes, um, you know, questions that can make or unmake a life, questions that have patiently waited for you, questions that have no right to go away. And I know of no other time in life when those questions are most available than during the disruption of a transition. Yeah. You know, think about all of the routines that we have in life that bury a lot of questions, routines, yeah. obligations. And so for even my story, like what that injury, what that fall off that roof did was as hard as that concrete was, what it stirred up in, uh, from the ground was that question that I needed to confront. Like, what do you want? Mm. What do you want for your life? Because this isn't it. What do you want? And, and what do you want to give to others with what you want to do with your life? Like, what do you want to see that look like? What is the impact you want? And, and that question needed to be wrestled with again and again and again. And I still wrestle with that question. It's not supposed to go away. Um, so that again, I think we all go through change, but we all don't transition. Um, we, we all go through various disruptions in life, but to learn how to pay attention to our life and the questions that are there and the opportunities, that's something that we learn. Um, and so that's what I do with folks. Yeah. John, you're awesome. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm nodding incessantly. It's so true. The transition is the choice. 
Yeah. Like, you know, we may not choose the challenge. It may be thrust upon us. Maybe we do choose it or maybe we do things that bring it about. But yeah, um, hardship challenge. I don't think anyone is proactively like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to get cancer this year. You right. choose to do that. Now, you may be smoking or you may be doing something else that yeah. will hasten it or could very well right. bring it about. But you yeah. probably didn't go into it with that intention. But it's your choice in whether that challenge is a challenge that you actually grow from and, and you transition from it. I think that's I really thought about transition that way. But it is uh, it's an action, isn't it? It is. It's a it, it's a it's an art. Um and uh, again, I don't think it become, it's not something we do naturally because when change happens, we want to go to what's safe and we're going to probably choose what we've known and we're going to want to go back to that. And transitions are, are never about necessarily going back to what's known and safe. It's typically about moving forward towards who you're supposed to become more of in the world. Yeah. And, and that inherently is going to hold some risk and opportunity, but it's it's probably way more safe than looking behind you and heading back towards that. Yeah. You didn't choose the impact of the ground. No. You chose the transition to use that impact to have impact on lives. Correct. Yeah. Well said. That was uh, the most brilliant thing I will probably say this week, and I'm glad it was recorded. <laughs> there's, there's, it's, it's either that or, or yak milk, and yeah. we both know, you know that the bar wasn't so high with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add one thing, you know, one of the things that I, I think the word I, the word I hear the most during transition is stuck. I'm stuck. Uh, I feel like I'm stuck in my life. And I think one of the byproducts of a culture that doesn't know how to transition and doesn't view it as a discipline is we hear this word stuck and we think it's like cancer. We think it's uh, an ailment that we need to get rid of as quickly as possible. And quite often we're using the wrong word. You're not stuck you're likely in a transition. Now, you might have been here before and the decision you've just made um, is actually symptomatic of a cul-de-sac that you've been in for, you know, maybe even decades. Yeah. But I would, I would perhaps argue for you to acknowledge that this is a season where you're using the word stuck is actually acknowledging you are in the midst of a transition and it's asking you to pay attention. Yeah. And what if you chose to listen differently this time? What if you chose to listen in a way that honored the questions and not chose something that got rid of them as quickly as possible? Yeah. We, we are often afraid of those questions. And it's, it's funny, I was talking to someone else about this today. The questions are usually really simple questions. You know, they're very plainly stated. Right, right. Basic things about you, what matters to you, who you really are. And they're the hardest ones to answer. And they're also not questions you ever just answer once and you're good. Right. Like you can, you can answer it at the deepest, most profound level. And yep. two years later, five years later, whatever the time is, your life is different. Your situation is different. The things you're facing are, is different. You could be in the midst of another transition and you need to answer the question again. Yeah. Yep. Right. Because that's what change does is it puts a different kind of wrinkle in the story and brings yeah. up that question. And that's okay. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't, it's not something we need to shy away from. Yeah. That's why like, I don't, I don't look at falling off the roof as I, again, I wouldn't want to go through that again. I, I, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but I love that story. I love what that, what that has brought about in my life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the choices that were put before me that I chose to step towards that held good, good courage and, and risk. Um, I'm grateful for that. So I would never want to write it out. 
Yeah. Um, you, I, you know, my story, like that's something we actually talk about a lot at home is, um, what my wife's gone through with her health and, and what the three of us have gone through. Uh, yeah. and you know, it's, it's this weird thing. Cause you don't want to say like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't undo it. I wouldn't give it up. Cause it would be nice for her not to have that pain. It would be nice for our son not to have to witness what he, you know, all those things. Yeah. Yet at the same time, we also, um, and maybe it's a bit unfair because we haven't experienced anything else to know if we could get here, but we find it very hard to believe that we would be in the place where we are as human yep. beings for our wellness, uh, you know, holistically, not just like physically, um, yep. that our son would be who he is or any of that had mm-hmm. we not had the, the moment that we had to face. Um, right. And we don't wish that upon anyone and, you know, including ourselves yet at the same time, it's, it goes back to the choice. You can choose to, to see the good in it, the growth in it, and it doesn't diminish the pain that you felt, doesn't invalidate it. Right. But you still can grow and be better and be um, in a place you never would have achieved if not for that. Yeah. And yeah, I love how you said that. And I think ultimately it's like that question, who do I want to become in light of this moment? Um, I get to decide. Even in the yeah. midst of the most extreme pain, and challenge and circumstances i get to decide and i promise you like you can't tell me a story that's that's so severe where that question can't still be answered in a way that moves towards hope i have i have sat with some doozies some stories where it's like how are you still breathing how have you not just like offed yourself like that's horrendous what you've experienced and here they are asking that question um what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. Who could I become even still? And I think that just says something profound about the human spirit. Yeah. And, and the potential and what, in it. Yeah. Yeah. And the hope that cannot die. Well, so I was going to ask you with the, those coffee sessions and it's Seattle. So I don't believe <laughs> you about the hotel lobby. I think they were all coffee shops, but. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, um, they were hotel lobbies with coffee. With shops. Co- yeah. It was the Starbucks <laughs> in the hotel. Um, I, part of me was like, how much of that was for the person you were helping and how much of that was for you? I was both. Yeah. Was, yeah always both. And I never lost sight of that. Um, I, kn- I knew the experiment was to test my own voice and see what was forming in those moments, both in me, but also in them. Um, yeah. Because you need to see that too. You need to see the evidence of your impact on a person's life to be able to go like, oh, I just said that. Why did that matter? Yeah. Why was that important? Or, oh, I just had them go do that, that piece of homework and they came back and there is such a different energy about them because of it. What is that about? It's the greatest thing to witness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it is about me and it is about them and that makes it a relationship. And that's actually how we've been designed to be as, as people. It's really weird. Um, I've, I've tried to find a way to explain the feeling and, you know, one is I, I could see like for a teacher who gets through to a student and has that breakthrough, mm-hmm. but the, um, I, I've only been a ski instructor and a, a GMAT prep teacher. So I don't know that I've had quite that level of, of breakthrough feeling in teaching, but as a parent, actually it's not quite the same, but there's something about those moments of pride in seeing your child achieve something or be so yeah. happy by something that you know, it's not the same when I have someone I'm working with who, who has a breakthrough, but it's kind of close to that. There's a, a similar level of pride and excitement and accomplishment. <laughs> totally. Um, from the, and now I feel bad using the word coach, but for lack of a, 
more profound term from the coach's perspective. Totally. Yeah. I mean, again, the Sherpa metaphor, do you think the Sherpa gets to the top of, you know, Mount Everest and thinks, okay, well, just another day at the office. Yeah. Like, no, they are hugging and high-fiving the people that they let up there. And it's just as enlivening, right? Yeah. It's, it's special, it's profound. And they played a role. And I, I think that there is very fitting. All right. I think from now on, I'm not going to refer to myself as a life coach. I think it's going to be life Sherpa. Because <laughs> it, it is like, you're at, like, I get, now I'm picturing the scene, you know, like yeah. you're actually spot on. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like, oh, I need to clock out and check my email. Right. It's, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're, they're in the midst of somebody's greatest accomplishment right. in their life. How can you not also have tears of joy? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It should lead to joy for both them and you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mark of a awesome um there's part of me that feels like i need to have people on that i vehemently disagree with (laughs) (laughs) it's too easy john um no this this is brilliant stuff i mean this is really really brilliant stuff it's really deep you um you have a beautiful way of putting these things that i you know maybe maybe uh it just resonates more for me but i don't think so i think it'd be very hard to listen to this to not feel inspiration and the word that keeps coming to mind is completeness Mm. like there's something very pacifying and completing Mm. about what you're saying Mm. Mm. thank you appreciate you saying that cool um so before we get to social media and website and all that uh because i feel like i'm a little bit on an inspiration high right now and I may miss something. Is there, is there something really crucial to this story and to what people can do for themselves that we're not touching on? Um, you know, I, I, you, you read this in the books, you, you hear it in, in the stories that inspire you. Um, at least the ones that I think are the more common ones. No, no one gets to where they're at without help. And, um, I cannot emphasize that enough that, if you're going through a, ch- a transition, a challenging transition of any kind, um, because of the way you were created as a person to be in relationship, that means during the moments when you're most vulnerable, but also available, like to the really good stuff, um, like those questions that are now being stirred, don't go into those questions on your own. You need you need a guide. You need a pro of some kind. And if you can't afford it, there are people that are willing to walk alongside you more than you probably give yourself uh, permission to see. Yeah. And and so I I I I can't under understate that. I can't state that enough. Um, mm. uh, with regards to what I experienced um, in the last uh, decade of my life working through this journey of vocation and calling. That's really beautiful. Um, and I couldn't agree more. Oh man. Um, it feels so silly to be like, and where can people follow you? And where can they <laughs> learn more? But where can people follow you and learn more? Cause there's more that they need to learn about you. Yeah, you bet. Well, um, the website that people can check out is, uh, in a liminal org. And um, we also have a podcast that you'll be able to find on that site, but um, it is lifethroughtransitions.org. Um, and the social media stuff is, you know, at in a liminal space. Um, I'm sure you'll put it in some of the show I notes. I'll put it but, in the show notes. Um, yeah. And I'll link to liminal is not a, it's, it's liminal is not a common word. No, so. it's spelled like it sounds, but it's not yep. common. 
a yeah. com- communal. <laughs> well, it's like not com- it's also not communal. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, that's yeah. my my third uh, profound statement tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, and people people didn't hear me before we started recording when I said what I say uh, my internet's not being uh, bandwidth delicious, I think I said yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was the word. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a technical phrase. Um yeah. I will link to all that. Um I'll link to the podcast directly and people absolutely should subscribe because one of the important things is to to get these messages on a regular basis because you're talking about building something better in yourself and it's Mm -hmm. not like you don't listen to one episode and you're done right like you should hear more and don't listen on two times the speed you know the the double speed (laughs) like slow it down and take it in Um, yeah right i do listen to some double speed or one and a half but they tend to be shorter shows typically about cars i'll admit but when i get to the (laughs) When I get to the long form, like the the self-development and, and the stuff that yeah. really pushes your mind, I don't care if it takes two hours. I slow it down and, and I really try to take it in. And that's important. Awesome. John, you're you're incredible. I'm so glad that we connected in the first place and and also were able to get you on here. Um, I've I've gotten a ton out of this and I, I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, you bet. It's so good to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, And with that, I think um, that's a good place to wrap things up. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you, John. Yeah, John's an incredible guy. You definitely need to go to inaliminalspace.org and check out what they're doing there. If, If he's piqued your interest, if it gives you a sense of, you know, this is someone who's focused on transitions that's been through some really tough stuff and has built this whole support network and approach around that, and that's what I need, check him out. And, uh, and you should absolutely listen to his show as well. It's really inspiring. John's really inspiring. So definitely head over to inaliminalspace.org and check that out. And if this is an episode that you really enjoyed, I'd love to hear about that. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe, leave a review. You know, it helps us so much. It helps grow the show. It helps get the word out about it. It helps get the promotion up. But at the same time, it means if there's someone else struggling out there, who could use finding this show, you're, you're helping to raise it up in the, the huge, massive world of podcasting and help this come to the top so they can find it. That, you know, that means a lot. That helps a life change. And that's the whole purpose of the Do A Day podcast and all the work that I'm doing with it. So I'm thankful you listen today. I hope you subscribe. I hope you leave feedback, review the show, reach out if you have thoughts, if you have someone you want to recommend for the show or you want to talk about one of the guests, I'd love to hear from you. And the other thing I'd love is if you remember that today is a new day, right? It's your chance every day to go out and do it. Thank you.